Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to episode eight of season seven of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalog, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. There wasn't too much chatter on social media this week. I assume you're all busy with far more important things, and thank heavens for that. Um, Do let me know if any of you picked up any records on Record Store Day on Saturday. Um, There weren't any Tom Petty releases, obviously, this year, but I did pick up the quadruple translucent red vinyl release of Van Halen's Live Right Here Right Now, which set me back a decent chunk of change, but is a record I absolutely adore. I got into Van Halen during the Sammy Hagar era, and while I've come around to the Roth stuff, you know, mainly through listening to And The Podcast Will Rock, hosted by my friends, Corey and Mark, um, I'm still a Sammy guy overall, um, and this album showcases his extraordinary vocal range and control and features the biggest songs of the Van Hagar era. Now, the other thing that almost always happens on Record Store Day is something else catches your eye while you're in the store. And this time around, it was my daughter who noticed that Into the Great Wide Open was sitting on the promo shelf rather than in the rack with all the Tom Petty records. So I grabbed that one and I really enjoyed spinning it up again on vinyl. I'm really looking forward to digging into that one and we're actually not all that far away now, I suppose. I posted a photo of my copy uh, on the turntable on the Tom Petty Fans Forever Facebook group and was somewhat delighted and surprised when Dana Petty commented about how much she loved the record and the subsequent tour. I also just wanted to give a special shout out to a listener and friend, Carol Shapiro, who is one of the last DJs this week on Tom Petty Radio. Exciting! Um, I won't give away her picks, but she went with songs that which were all omitted from albums and only released later on on releases like An American Treasure. Carol did a great job of explaining her choices and getting across her lifelong love of Tom's music. Great job, Carol. Today's episode covers the third track from side two of Let Me Up I've Had Enough, A Self-Made Man. In conversations with Tom Petty, Paul Zolo remarks that Tom had once said that he felt A Self-Made Man was like a B-movie starring Johnny Cash. After laughing quite hard, Tom confirms this and tells Paul that he actually wanted Johnny to cover it later in life, but Cash couldn't handle the major seventh chord. He relays that Cash told him, I just can't sing over that, my voice doesn't sound right with it, can you find another chord? So it's a great example of a singer being completely in tune with his own voice and realising that something just wouldn't mesh sonically, or at least not in his ears or in his brain. Even though, as Tom tells Paul, I always wanted him to do it, and I almost got him to do it because he liked it. He just couldn't get over that major seventh chord. As soon as the song starts, you can hear the association with Cash. It has a very 60s country swing to the whole thing. We're led in with a distinctive Stan Lynch snare fill before the whole band comes in on the one. Uh, Most prevalent in the mix immediately is the rhythm section, with Howie's bass booming out the bottom end. We hear Ben Mont playing around this bass line, doubling it and harmonising it on piano, There's also one of the two guitars uh, following the same basic lead and bending into the last part of the phrase. And then we also get some organ, either a single or a double note being played by Ben, and we have uh, a tone and feeling overall, you know, straight away in this song, that isn't dissimilar to Spike. You get a feel of an old honky-tonk bar down in the south with low ceilings, low prices, and low morals. And I commented on Think About Me that that song almost has a two-step, two-four rhythm to it. Well, this one definitely does. You can easily imagine a line dance in that CD bar room with the regulars going through the motions they've acted out a thousand times before. So in a 2-4 time signature, the tongue doesn't hang around. 
After 16 bars of an intro, we're straight into the first verse, and immediately it throws up an old country trope. The first two bars are in the root chord, in this case D minor, then it switches to C major just for two beats, just one bar, before going back to the root. But this is where this trope is flipped a little bit by the heartbreakers in this song, as you get two odd numbers of bars making up each part of this verse. So the first line, if you don't want to talk, leave him alone, is played out over seven bars. This line is then repeated, but this time, on the second time around, four more bars are tacked onto the end for a total of 11 bars. We also start with four chord changes on the one on those first four bars in the second part of the, of the verse. So again, if you listen to country, you'll have heard something like this plenty of times before, but it's super effective because it's tonally very different to a typical heartbreaker style to this point. That last line, he's a self-made man, he did it on his own, is then said over that same 11 bar structure. And the way that Tom sings that last letter in own is fantastic. He really lays on the character and trills the end as he lets the note fall away. Super cool. During these first two verses, Tom's keeping those root chords bouncing along on acoustic guitar, and Mike is adding in the sleeves with those little fills and licks on the electric lead. Never too much, but always something that's just tastefully keeping that menacing atmosphere skulking along. Stan is similarly keeping to a pretty simple groove, adding a double kick at certain points to signal the hard one of each part of the pattern, and we also lose that low mixed organ, and Benmont's piano is acting more as a sort of, it's almost like a percussive accompaniment, and again, it's mixed very, very low, so you really have to listen for it. He's also playing that piano part very, very low down on the key, so it sort of blends in with that, with that bass frequency. So again, it can be a little bit more difficult to hear at first. So Tom's using a similar Spike-esque drawl, and the character he's talking about could easily have been in that same bar, not necessarily joining in the abuse directed at Spike, but maybe watching on from the darkest corner, with a cigar in one hand and a glass of bourbon in the other. The second verse follows the pattern of the first with no real dynamic change, and again, Tom plays around with the last syllable of the word pride in the last line of this verse. We then get another nice little Stan Lynch snare fill leading into the chorus, and this is where the song gets super interesting. It breaks the tension completely and goes into a beautiful major key progression through the first half before dropping into a minor major key seesaw in the second. This section also goes from odd numbers to even numbers, with the two halves of the chorus being 8 bars and 12 bars respectively. So for a really simple song, it actually has some structural nuance that is very, very interesting. The chorus features a beautiful high harmony from Howie and a really fun little piano part that Ben throws in that makes this section almost sound like it could fit in on Wildflowers. At the tail end of the chorus, we also get some indecipherable vocalizations mixed onto the right channel. So again, you get this very live feeling song, and though this one's definitely overdubbed in spots, and I don't think this would have been live off the floor in the same way that, um, say, uh, Think About Me was. After two verses in a chorus, in only a little over a minute, we're straight into the guitar solo. And again, Mike's guitar is panned completely into that left channel. If you listen to this under earbuds, just take out the left earbud and you'll notice that you do not hear a single note of that solo. If you do that though, you'll also hear Benmont's organ more clearly as well as the piano. So again, the simple song is layered in quite a complex way. The solo itself is just vamping around that chord progression and letting the bouncing cadence of the song dictate the note placement. That is, until we get to the 123 mark in the song, where Mike throws in a dazzling little descending run that's faster than you might think and beautifully precise. And it's not exactly bluesy and not exactly country, but 100% bona fide Mike Campbelly. All right, folks, it's time for some petty trivia. Your question from last week was this. In 2002, who inducted Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? 
Was it A, Donny Harrison, B, Eddie Vedder, C, Jacob Dylan, or D, Jeff Lynne? So Eddie Vedder is well known as a huge fan of Tom's work. And Jeff Lynne was obviously a friend, fellow Wilbury, and frequent collaborator. And Danny Harrison was among Tom's bandmates at 2004's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction tribute to Danny's dad, George. However, it was the son of a different Wilbury who inducted Tom and the Heartbreakers in 2002. Jacob Dylan, in his induction speech, talks about first meeting the Heartbreakers in 1986 when they toured with his dad and recalls that as he sat at the side of the stage with Adria and Anakin Petty, thinking, wow, your dad's Tom Petty. That must be pretty cool. Which I always find very funny and very charming. Your question for this week is this. In which Travelling Wilbury song, on which Tom sings lead, uh, does he talk about DX7s and old athletic shoes? Is it A, You Took My Breath Away? B, Cool Dry Place? C, Last Night? Or D, Margarita? Okay, back to the song. After the guitar solo, the song goes back into the chorus before heading into another short little guitar solo break before heading into the third verse. So again, pretty stark. Um, not too much else going on. The chorus is pretty much the same. The guitar solo is more the same from Mike just noodling around that, um, that chord progression. And I commented last week that the dynamic change in all mixed up where the last verse drops to halftime uh, feels a little forced and tacked on to me. Now, the dynamic shift in the last verse here sounds exactly the opposite. It feels natural and essential. The drums drop out entirely before coming back in on only the kick and hi-hat. And at this point, you can really hear what Benmont is playing low, low down on the piano. Another fantastic little subtlety is that the 205 mark, you hear Mike play a bright, open D major between the beats, rather than D minor, which is the key that we're actually in at the moment. Again, it's a fleeting moment, but it adds such a superb dynamic element to the song. So, to catch it, if you count seven bars from where this verse kicks in, then start counting again. So go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Start counting again. When you get to seven, immediately after that, you'll hear that major chord. It's inventive, calculated, and incredibly effective. The song then rips back into one last chorus with Benmont's piano and organ brought in a little higher into the overall mix, and Mike starts to shred that down-home rootsy guitar again, and we fade out. Right at the end of the fade out, you can hear that Stan has stopped playing, and what sounds like someone tapping on the body of an acoustic guitar. So I love that this song ends unconventionally. I'm guessing this was, you know, like I said, the, the bass track for this could have been one take and it, you know, it feels that way when you listen to some of the guitar playing and then that ending, but that bass track definitely has elements dubbed over it, not, you know, including how his vocals, the, the, the vocals in this I'm sure would have been recorded um, separately, but very cool. Um, the lyrics in this one are really straightforward. It's the story of a simple man, a working guy who may choose his words very carefully. We learned that he has a dangerous side and that that possibly comes from some sort of experience with a woman in you. But with the verses are sung from the third-person perspective describing the character, the chorus switches that point of view to that of the man himself, who, despite the outward projection of stoicism and manliness, seems to be struggling with self-esteem or mixed feelings about his life or himself or a combination of both. It's another one of those lyrics that you can dismiss as being simple and short, but every word is carefully curated and nothing extraneous is added. It's another one of those songs that is as lean as it needs to be, yet packed with interesting musical nuggets.
Okay, Pettyheads, that's it for this week. There's an awful lot going on in this simple, short little song. So much so that, I'll be perfectly honest, I missed pretty much all of it before I sat down to really analyse this. Um, I don't know if I'd ever caught that odd missing a bar timing between the verse sections or the switch back to more conventional counting in the chorus. I'm definitely not sure that I ever really noticed the fact that Benmont is playing both piano and organ in this one, and I definitely never consciously noticed that beautiful bright major chord that Mike throws into the third verse. As far as the production on this one goes, it falls to be in the middle range of this record. I think Benmont's organ could have been mixed a little higher, and overall it's a, it's a bit bass-heavy, but that also kind of fits the mood of the track, so I don't think it detracts from it too much. A Self-Made Man is a real sleeper track on this record, and one that's been growing on me quite a bit since I started listening to it more closely. The song was never played live that I can find a record of, which is a shame because I could have seen this one being a fun one to do. It sits in the odd space of looking sort of both backwards and forwards at the same time stylistically, and also being one of the few Heartbreaker songs that I think Mudcrutch could have performed live and have it slot seamlessly into the set. You know, in a way, it sort of has its feet in the mud of Southern accents, but its head in the sort of the bright clouds of um, Full Moon Fever. And so sonically, it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd track. Um, but because it's interesting and sneakily clever in places, I'm going to give A Self-Made Man a rock-solid 7 out of 10. Please remember that you can continue to support humanitarian efforts in Ukraine in many different ways, and I would urge you to do so if you have the means. As always, I've added a link to the Red Cross donation page in the episode notes, and I will continue to do so until I don't need to anymore. The Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Go check them out on Twitter, at Deep Dive Podnet. As I always say, I'm sure there's something that you like. If you like Hard Rock especially, there's tons of stuff there that you'll love. You can also check out my other podcast, uh, Seaside Pod Review, a Queen podcast, um, on the Deep Dive Podcast Network too. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, at The Tom Petty Project, and on Twitter, at Tom Petty Project. Go follow, like, subscribe as applicable, and again, please leave a review or a rating if you haven't done that already. Keep talking to me on social media too, folks. I'll try and read out as many of those comments as I can um, during the next week's episode. Um, but if I don't, you know, if I don't read your comment out, don't take that as, a, as a, any sort of insult. I may have just recorded the episode before you commented. The Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estate in any way, and when you're looking for Tom's music, please visit the official YouTube channel first, or go to official streaming platforms like Spotify, Amazon Prime, you know, Apple Music, all those types of places. Um, if you're looking for official merchandise, please go to TomPetty.com. Um, if you want some cool um, Tom Petty Project merchandise, you can go to TomPettyProject.com and you can find some of my uh, custom designs there. Don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook, if you're not already a member. Uh, they are excellent fan communities and I enjoy thoroughly spending some time in there. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy. And I'll be back with you next week to talk about the fourth track from side two of Let Me Up, I've Had Enough, Ain't Love Strange. Bye-bye.